Nelson Mandela said, education is the most powerful weapon which you can change the world. Benjamin Franklin said, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Here we will focus on the two whys of the company, financial freedom and individual growth. Welcome to the Empower Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to another Empower Podcast. I'm super excited for this episode because it's something that's been requested multiple times. A lot of our reps have reached out to us and said, hey, we want to hear what you and Brandon are doing. I want to hear exactly what your advice would be, which is always hard because we can't give direct advice. But on this episode today, we're going to talk about investing, all things that we are doing, that we believe in, that we've seen be successful in the past, give the advice that we can give, and also share our mistakes that we've made over the years. And so first we're going to have Brandon and I talk about mistakes we've made, the whys of the company, what we're doing, some of our opinions on what we've already talked about this year, and then we'll transition to a Q&A and kind of an example for new reps. But first, Brandon, how do you feel about this podcast today? I'm really excited about it. This is actually one of the reasons why we started the company was about what we're going to talk about today. So I'm, I love this topic, very passionate about it, and so stoked. Awesome, dude. Brandon, I know a lot of guys look up to you at Empower. I mean, we both know that. And they've seen you just really be a great mentor for years. And I want to kind of shed some light on your whole life, on my whole life. I want to talk about some of our mistakes because sometimes I think people see us and think, wow, these guys have always been great with money. They've never made a mistake. They've never done something dumb or they regret. Is that true? No, definitely not. And I'll, I'll be open and transparent about some of my mistakes and how much I've lost and all that stuff. So I'm super excited to talk about that. Also, we're going to go through, you know, the Cookie Co., Iron Gate, taxes, the stock market, crypto, some things like that that everyone's been asking about. Yeah. That we've also had people come on and they want to hear your opinion on that as well. Yeah. And I'm totally happy to share my personal strategy of how much I want to be in real estate stocks and all those things because it's been awesome. We've covered so much ground on this podcast the last uh, couple of months, but I'm sure a lot of people are like, where do I start or which one do I do? So we can cover that as well. For sure. So guys, throughout the podcast, this is a live podcast. If you're listening to it later, we're going to have questions throughout the whole thing via Zoom through the chat. And so ask questions as you want to throughout the whole meeting, and we'll try and answer those. But first of all, let's make sense of this whole thing. The reason we're doing these podcasts in general, the reason we have an education series, the reason we care is because the whys of our company are First, have individual growth, and second, be financially free and strive for that. Brandon, when you first originated in power, why did those become the whys? Why do those matter to you? Yeah, and maybe some of you guys have heard this story, but basically when I had my last tech company, we had some investors. We had a couple of CEOs that were from you know Salt Lake County or Utah Valley that invested in the company. And, and uh, one time we were with one of our investors. He's a CEO of a big orange company that does door to door. <laughs> and, uh, we were at the jazz game, you know, and, and down low and a couple other of his CEO buddies that invested with us, they're all just talking. And, and he was like, Hey, do you guys want to know why I've been so successful and my secret? And I was like, why? And he's like, well, um, all of our guys spend all their money every year. And so they have to keep coming back. And that's what's created our sustainability as a company. And, and I'm like, instantly just my, I had a gut reaction. I'm like, bro, that's freaking messed up, you know? And I kind of laughed a little bit because it took me by surprise, not laughing that it was 
funny, like I thought it was entertaining. Like I was just so shocked. Like that was my only reaction. Like, wow, I would have never guessed that, you know? And, and he's like, well, what, what would you have done? And I, I said, I would have taught him financial freedom. And he said, well, then you wouldn't have anybody because they would leave. And I said, no, I totally disagree. I think if people left, we would get more people because of that, because they changed their life, their friends and family would come. So we agreed to disagree. And I, I couldn't rock the boat too much because he actually ended up investing again a little bit more and stuff. And so, but that was the conversation. And, and so we've all heard the term, like, you can't sleep at night. I went home and I couldn't sleep at that night. That night, I just had a really bad feeling of um, the industry and and what's happening. Like, kind of like people are slaves almost from an education standpoint. I mean, if you've ever been to a door to door con or different door to door events, and I, I don't want to mean this in a rude way, but door to door people usually are are kind of like the bottom of the barrel as far as a lot of different categories. They're not educated. They've dropped out. Maybe they don't have a purpose. Like there's a lot of partying. There's just, it's just kind of a, the reputation is very trashy. And so I felt like this company or that idea was taking advantage of people because of their lack of education. And, um, and he did say too, like the whole industry's followed our model and the whole industry's built on this idea. And so I just thought, you know what? Like I had that thought in that, that night, that moment, if I ever get back into the industry, which I didn't love the industry, I never thought I'd get back into it. I'm like, you know what? I'd do it totally different. Like I would try and bring some class to the industry. We would focus a ton on education. We'd try and break our own path and do it completely different just to kind of like come back, chip on my shoulder and prove them wrong. So when I started this company, I was actually look at, looking at two companies. I had a tech company, a new tech company I was launching, which I was feeling very strongly about that it could be incredibly successful financially. But there wasn't a passion or a wire, a drive behind it other than I knew it was going to be successful where I found a lot of passion and drive with this, even though I didn't love the industry. I'm like, I know this where I can go have impact and and have meaning and make a difference. And so that's actually what led me when I was doing my Benjamin Franklin, writing down the pros and cons of which one should I go start and pursue overwhelmingly I wanted to start this company because of everything that we just spoke about. And guys, that's a hundred percent a true story. I remember talking to Brandon and obviously we've known each other for years and years now and talking about these experiences in the past. And when I was first getting into solar with Brandon, we talked back and forth and he was telling me, Hey, I might go do X, Y, and Z instead. And I really don't love door to door. I don't love the vibe. I don't love what everyone stands for. I don't love that everyone spends all their money, that you kind of taking advantage of uneducated people. He was going through these things with me and had told me the story three or four years ago when we were first talking about things. And I kind of begged him to do it with me. And he said, I'll give you one year pretty much. And then I'll make it my mind after that. And he felt like we could do it differently. His wives were really working throughout the company and it was a place that he'd want to stay. And it's been awesome ever since. And I really do feel like we're hitting the mark so far as far as trying to educate our guys and not just talk the talk, but actually walk the walk. Yeah. And I want to like clarify something. When I say I didn't love the door-to-door industry, door-to-door changed my life. And I grew so much as a person. And actually, when I started my software company, because I felt like I had done the hardest job that you could do, I felt like I was going to kill it no matter what I did. And, and so there, I love communicating. I love people. I love all that. That's what I love. I didn't love the industry as far as the entitlement, 
a lot like just the vibes of sales guys, the flash, money in your face, like that's what I didn't love. And so, but I love the actual work like individually. I just didn't love the vibe and the culture of the industry. And we actually had a lot of talks about that before when I was talking to Brandon about wanting to do door to door, you were still doing software stuff pretty much. Yeah. And you were telling me, Hey, if you want to do that, that's fine. I think you'll be great at it, but make sure you don't turn into those guys. I remember like distinct conversations with Brandon when I was 19, 20, 21, 22, just talking for years about, you'll be great at door to door. You're naturally good at this, but just don't turn into those guys and don't let your whole life get lost because of money and chasing money and then spending all your money and then making more money and spending all your money. Totally. And having that cycle for eight to 10 years. Like we've yeah. seen. Yeah, no, exactly. I've just seen so many people that all of a sudden they got into it when they're 20, all of a sudden they're 35, they have like four or five kids and they've lived paycheck to paycheck, essentially like year to year. They haven't progressed in life at all. They've done exactly what that other company was talking about. Like they keep coming back because they just want them to spend more and create a culture of spending. And so Anyways, yeah, I love, I, I'm so grateful for what we're all doing and, and our why. And I really think that if someone can get financially free and they can grow a lot as an individual, that's going to set up the rest of their life. And they'll, they'll look back in 10 or 15 years. And just two quick stories on this is uh, Jake and I were in a text thread uh, with one of our reps the other day. And he sat down and he said, dude, I just figured out my net worth. It's over a million dollars. And that's happened since the time that he he started here. Maybe we can have him on a podcast. I don't want to share his name just in case he doesn't want to share it, but he was in debt, didn't have anything in savings or any investment when he started, or even like a financial freedom mindset. Right. Yeah. And that's not a knock at him at all. That's I've been there. And that's where I think a lot of people are when they start. And he's, he's taken every education, every piece of advice and like been the most coachable person. I genuinely love this person. I look up to him. This person is what makes me get out of bed, guys like him, because they take advantage of the opportunity in a good way. And um, and they do it, and it's going to change the rest of their life. And so I love that. That's meaningful to me. Also, I was talking with a multi-multi-millionaire just yesterday, and he's in his 60s worth millions and millions. And he's like, dude, I'm so envious of your people being that young and learning what they're learning and being able to make the money that they can. I think they're going to look back when they're in their 30s and say, that was like the most incredible opportunity. And he said, I don't think they realize what they have or what they're learning or the opportunity right now. And I don't, it doesn't matter to me if you realize it or not yet. That's not why I'm doing it for, or why we do it is for appreciation or anything. We do it because it's the right thing to do. And we know that's going to have impact. And, and so anyways, those are just two quick thoughts I had on that. And what's crazy is Brandon, when you were first talking about that rep that texted us, yeah, I was actually thinking of a different rep because there's been multiple reps that, that have actually situation. done that. Yeah. Until you kept elaborating on the story, I didn't know exactly which one it was. Yeah. Because in all reality, guys, we truly have had, I would say, five to ten reps text both of us in group threads, individual threads, and say, hey, thanks so much. I'm doing X, Y, Z with my money. It's been crazy. I'm now a millionaire. I'm financially, f- or I will be financially free in a few more years. And that's happened multiple times. Yeah. And especially that story that you just talked about, I mean, that guy, he was in a bad place financially. Yeah. And I think someday we'll have him on. He'll be fine to talk about it. Yeah. He's very open. But he was in a bad place financially. In, in fact, his first week in the job, I lent him money. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. But I lent totally. him a couple thousand bucks just to get going. Yeah. And now he's a millionaire. Right? I, that's just insane. Insane. So crazy. So we love to see it and we want to hear the stories. If you guys are ever 
experiencing that feeling where you look and you also do all your numbers and realize that you're there, we want to hear about it. Totally. Right. We love seeing the success of all the reps. We want everyone to reach their goals. And it's kind of been an evolution for you, right? I want to try and go back. Like, when do you feel like you reached that point where you wanted to be financially free? Like, when was that? Because you did sales for seven years yeah. throughout your 20s, right? Yeah. And then you went and worked at Qualtrics for a few years. And then you left Qualtrics, went and started a software company and did that for four to five years. Yeah. And then you left that to start this. And so you've definitely been in a pretty unique career path where you've done a little bit of everything, I feel like. And that's why you've been a great mentor for me, uh, everyone else on the call. But at what point do you feel like, wow, financial freedom is real. I wish I would have started earlier. Where did you learn? Kind yeah. of what's your path of financial freedom? Dude, that's an awesome question. So just a background on myself is I grew up in probably just like a normal middle-class setting. Um, my parents never had any investments. So we, we didn't, like we learned good financial advice about you know, pay stuff off in cash and be smart with your money. But I never learned anything on investing or growing your money or anything like that, or never had a mentor even in this. And I'm not saying like that as a victim. I just, I never applied myself that way. The first moment that I had was actually one of the last couple of days I had in the door-to-door -door industry before I left. And we were at this big recruiting meeting and I was kind of transitioning some of my recruits off to other people. And I noticed this guy like sitting in the corner his head was kind of down. I, I thought he was a first year rep. I didn't know he was a manager and like been crazy <laughs> successful. This guy looks scared and just by himself. Over yeah, there. like no friends. Nobody's talking to this guy. We just had all the leaders, including myself, like all doing this training and and like we knew all the big dogs in the industry and you know all the names. But I want to go just talk to this guy and see what's up and get to know him. And so I get talking to this guy. Turns out he's from Idaho. Um, he's married. I didn't think he had any kids yet. But um, we just get talking and he paid off his house in cash over the last couple of years. He had a fourplex and just bought a second fourplex. And he's like, dude, I'm, I'm going to pay off that fourplex. And then I'm going to go start life and I'm going to go get a, a nine to five. And I'll be in this incredible situation. That was the first time I was like, wow. Because it wasn't normal to have investments or that, that was so unique. Like he was a true unicorn at the time. And I'm like, dude, this guy did it right. And how come nobody knows this guy's name? And how come this guy hasn't been on any trainings? And how come we're not learning from this guy? Because he's truly done it right. Everybody else that just gave the training is like me, where we spent all our money every year. We made good money, but we just spent it. And so that was the first seed that got planted and that I started to pay attention to stuff. And then I started to educate myself on money and started reading books and things like that. Um, another story, not about money, um, but as far as like mistakes, right? We probably want to get into mistakes. For sure. Which so, by the way, that's an interesting story. I've never heard that story. Yeah. I've wondered that because guys, obviously a lot of you guys know that I've known Brandon since he was 22 years old, right? And I was 12 years old or 14. And Brandon was always making great money doing door to door, but his wife likes to spend money. Yeah. You guys have a great life. Your yeah. kids dress very cute. Right? Yeah, for sure. And so Brandon, like I always knew he was making great money through his twenties, but I didn't really see him investing too heavily. Obviously I wasn't in all of his personal finances. I didn't know everything he was doing, but it's definitely different than now. And I've always wondered where that transition happened. But ever since then, when you were at your software company and everything else, you tried to be super smart with money. Yeah. And super scrappy and super effective. I should say with every dollar that hits your account. And I've always wondered where did that happen? And that makes, that makes sense. You learn from somebody else. Yeah, totally. 
Um, something I wanted to say too, when I was looking at what companies to start, and Jake, I, I've never told you this, and I don't think I've told anybody this. It's It's been something private, but I look at it on my computer every morning. I, I go through a morning routine. One of the goals I had with this company was I wanted to create 100 millionaires. And I know 100% we're going to do that. And it's not that I'm doing it. I just wanted to create an opportunity that 100 millionaires could cr- be created, whether it's through stock or income along the way or whatever. And I know we're already seeing some of those happen right For now. Sure. And we haven't even, you know, IPO'd or anything. And so I know we're going to do that 100%. But to me, that was more, and and educating them on what that money could do with the rest of their life. That was a lot more meaningful than just, my last company, a lot of people made a lot of good money. But none of it was spent towards financial edu- education or freedom. It was just spent on lavish and otherworldly stuff. That's not meaningful. And to go do that again, it's like, I don't even care about that. It doesn't motivate me at all. And so I wanted to um, like have impact. And so I thought, man, 100 millionaires, that'd be so cool. I look at that every single day on my computer and uh, that's a big motivator. And it's not about the money. It's about hopefully the education with the money that can go change at least 100 lives, right? Wow. I actually, I just like Brandon said, he's never told me that. And I didn't know that. Obviously, the why of the company has always been financial freedom, individual growth. Yeah. But 100 millionaires, that might sound crazy to a lot of people, right? Yeah. I mean, if you ask some of the guys in the orange and yeah. the green, right? Yeah. They might say, you're never going to get there. And you don't want to be millionaires because if they do become millionaires, they're going to leave. Yeah. And I don't talk about it a lot because I think it could be flashy or taken as the wrong yeah. why or motive. And so it's just a private thing that I know I'm going to do and just going to... And we're on our way. Yeah, we're going to do it for and, sure. And that's why we're doing these podcasts because we want everyone to make money and use it effectively. So Brand, now I want to turn to you. What are some mistakes you feel like you've made over the years or what are some things that you wish you would have done differently, maybe in your 20s, maybe in your early 30s, whatever that was that you could share with these guys and say, hey, you're going to you're gonna be here. I was here. Don't do this. Yeah. Okay. So I made a list. I try to be very intentional with this and go through my notes. I, ha- I keep notes on my phone on mistakes and things I've learned over the years and all these things. So I went through my financial journal and, and these are very real mistakes that I've made. They're not just stuff I'm trying to pull out of air. This is like, if I could go back, this is what I would follow. This stuff my wife and I have spoke about. So the first thing is education, not educating myself on money, it's my responsibility. It doesn't matter if my parents didn't teach me, if I didn't have a mentor or whatever, it's my responsibility. Uh, Nelson Mandela said, the most powerful tool that you can use to change the world is education. So a story of this, Casey Baugh, he's one of the VPs at Vivint that's made over millions of dollars every single year for the last like 10 years. I knew him before he became big. He's actually my uh, my neighborhood when I got home from my mission. And he has a coolest story of, of him starting his first year uh, selling satellite. And he had like 250 something dollars in his account, like nothing, right? He spent all 250 and some change dollars at Barnes & Noble buying straight books. Wow. Spent everything he had on buying books. And then he went through all those books, either listening to it in between doors or... Um, when he got home at night. So every dollar he had, he spent on education. And I look at Casey and Casey, they used to call him Covey because he used to always quote Covey. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%, I, th- I think he would totally say a major part of his success, if not the biggest, has been his education. And so 
I'm going to give you guys my resources at the end of this, what podcasts I think you should listen to, what books, if you want to educate yourself on investing, money, real estate, whatever. So that's the first mistake is not educating myself on money. There's so many hours in the car while you're driving to and from things. You probably heard different people talk about they could have got a degree in real estate or got a degree in um, finance, whatever, just from the amount of hours spending in their car each year is equivalent to like a four-year degree. So if you're just smart with your time, there's so much you can do with education. Brian, how much older is Casey Ball than you? I don't know. I don't know if he's, I think he's in his young 40s. I'm not so sure maybe though. maybe five to 10, yeah, max four 10, or five years, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Because Casey, I remember right after my mission, we have a brother-in-law that sold at Vivint, right? Yeah. And right after my mission, on my mission, I had Casey Baugh, Scott Bell, and uh, some other guy send me emails when I was a missionary saying, hey, you're going to be such a get stud, you ready. come yeah. out and sell, come work for Vivint. Yeah. At Vivint, we're the best, most elite, whatever. But they never brought that stuff up. And that's what's interesting because they're probably following a different mantra, you know, a different um, yeah. set of guidelines from somebody else. But they never brought that up. Whenever they were talking to me, it was always how much money I was going to make, how cool they were, how yeah. good my life was going to be. And I think cultures change, right? Yeah. I think I, I know, I've definitely known people that when they started, I see them get success and then they get off their why or money gets to them yeah. different things. And I'm not saying that happened, but yeah, cultures are powerful for sure. So one of those things, the first thing you'd say is you wish you would have educated yourself earlier on money and constantly right like a lot of you guys know i read a book a week it's one of the hardest things i do in my personal life never gets easier but it it, but it's so valuable the best interest that you'll ever get is an investment in yourself and so constantly educate not just like when you're in your 20s but for forever right yeah never stop and that's especially with money because investing and financial things change like what guys invested in that are 50 when they were 20 right is a lot different than we're going to invest in today for sure I mean, oil was a big thing, yeah. maybe, or the dot-com burst was a big thing. Yeah, Real estate's had ups and downs. Like throughout every generation, it seemed like they invest in different things. Absolutely. So it's good to keep on educating yourself throughout your whole life so you never do go broke, right? Definitely. The second thing I would say is managing my own money. I think uh, maybe you grew up with parents that are cheap or it, it's how you were taught, whatever. I think one thing you'll learn when you start hanging around like really wealthy people is they're not cheap. They don't try and save a buck here. They totally realize that if they spend money, they'll make more money. And so sometimes I've seen with our reps, like, well, I'm going to do my own property management or I'm going to do my own investing. I'm like, that's that's seriously like, that's kind of dumb because that's not your expertise and your time is worth more. And as you value yourself and your time more in your expertise and as you hang around with more wealthy people, like they're going to value their expertise and they'll do what they do great and they'll outsource the rest. One of the best quotes I ever got was, do what you do best and outsource the rest. And so um, I lost personally, I'll just tell you guys, I lost 80 grand in crypto back in 2017, 2018, right around there. Oh my gosh, yeah. dude, 80 I grand? lost $80,000 just trying to do it on my own. I wasn't educated in it. I've lost a lot of money in Robinhood over the years doing it on my own. I've also made money. Um, but when I made money, I think anybody could have made money. And so um, my neighbor that's a big Wall Street guy is like, never, ever, ever manage your, your money. Always have somebody else do it. And so that would be my second piece of advice is let somebody else manage your money. You know, I would echo that 100%. And a lot of these things, these mistakes Brandon's made, I've made them on a lot smaller scale, I feel like, because I've had Brandon. Because I've had you in my yeah. life. I've had different mentors. Growing up in Alpine, I had a lot of people that knew a lot, right, that could help me out. But all these are so true 
I even think about the idea that do what you do best and leave the rest to somebody else, whatever that quote yeah, was. Outsource the rest. Outsource yeah. the rest. I mean, my first property was a duplex. The first unit, I wanted to remodel both sides. The first unit I did myself because I didn't understand that concept. Yeah. The second unit I paid someone else to do yeah. completely because I understood my time was more valuable totally. other places. And I remember that. You told I me I remember about that. like, bro, why are you leaving that half 100%. day to go do sheetrock or whatever? 100%. Like, you're going to save what, 500 bucks, a thousand bucks on a $3,000 bid? Like, For just sure. pay that, dude. For sure. And you totally go through that evolution. Yeah. You make the same Trying mistakes. to be cheap. You're trying to save yeah. money. And we've For all sure. been there and you're trying to, you know, trying to save money by not paying a stockbroker, doing it yourself. Yeah. You're trying to save money by not paying a contractor, doing yeah. it yourself. Trying to save money by changing your own oil, taking three out of whatever Rolling it is. your own line, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's okay to work hard and do things yourself. We're definitely not yeah. advocating to give up all responsibility, but sometimes you have to learn what your strengths and weaknesses are and what you're good at. Yeah. And you told me totally. that. You said, Jake, you're great at selling, recruiting, training, managing. That's what you should be doing with your time. Any free time should be uh, like real free time, hanging out with your family, your friends, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it's just, you learn these you things learn. as you go and on. And it's hard because you have pride or different things. Like for a while, I always wanted to mow my own lawn. And I thought people that hired that out were like not true men or whatever <laughs> it people, was, you know, right, yeah. or they, they just couldn't figure out a lawnmower. And so for me, it wasn't even about money is like about just pride. And you get old school. I was raised a different way. Like you got to learn how to take care of your own stuff. And so that's what I fought, but I'm like, you know what? I can't afford to lose an hour and a half on a Saturday. I should be doing other stuff. Well, and both of our dads, obviously, you know my dad very yeah. well. I know your dad very well. Yeah. And both of our dads are that guy. Totally. They're not outsourcing anything. Anything, for they're, sure. They're going to take care of business themselves 100%. Yeah. But they also have always worked a nine to five type job. Definitely. Where after five, there's no other way to make money for them. Absolutely. So they might as well mow the lawn. Definitely. Whereas for a lot of guys on this call, a lot of our employees, you can make money all the time. Yeah. Every time you're on a recruiting call, you're making money. Yeah. Every time you're out on the doors, you're making money. Every time that you're training a new rep, you're making money. And that you can do that all hours of the day. So it's a different mindset. Different mindset. It yeah. really is. Different goals in mind too. What else do you have for your mistake list? Man? Number three was- I know it's long. <laughs> yeah. This one, I think a lot of guys might question, but it's, it's sincere and it's genuine. And it's walking away from door to door. I think that if I would have stayed in door to door, like when you, at least when I did my software company and when you start a company, most of the time you're not making any money. Even with this, like I've been paying myself a salary to keep profits in the company. You're usually not making wealth on the front end, like along the way. It's for a back end opportunity through an acquisition, IPO, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think if I would have stayed in door to door and kept getting chunks of money and investing that to buy properties, it would have been a quicker track than of getting, getting out of it. And so that's a regret I have. Um, I should have stayed in there longer. If I would have had the education to keep investing, then it would have been very powerful. So hindsight's twenty twenty. So that's just one that we've spoke about is like, man, if we just would have stayed in it, gone all in, made a lot of money, recruit, kept recruiting, we would have had a lot of money to keep buying properties, right? For sure. And I think a very common trend is you, well, I think especially back then when you guys were in door to door, you and Sarah, you weren't investing your money. No, we were just spending it. So it didn't really yeah. feel worth it. No. Because at the end of every totally. year, you had worked freaking hard. That's why that's a hard one is because I think if we would have stayed, I don't know if I had the education, but I think you guys do, right? Exactly. And so it, it's in a different spot. But okay. So that's where I'd say is, look, I made this mistake. 
don't walk away too early. I get it. You want to start your own company or get to the next thing or get back to your degree or go back to school. Totally get it. But get like, really, I don't know if we'll see a trend where as much as wealth is being created as we're seeing in this industry for as easy. And I'm not saying the job is easy, but it's not normal for people to make that kind of money that quick or that fast. And, and so I would, I'd really just like take advantage of the opportunity the next three to five years, whatever it is. Well, and going back to our parents, I know both of our parents are amazed by solar. Yeah, right. for sure. I mean, my dad is like the most hardworking, boots on the ground guy at work at 7 a.m., leaves at 5.30, 6 p.m. every single day, commutes an hour to work, is there, and he works hard for his money, and he sees solar guys, and it blows his mind. Yeah. He's like, these kids are out for four months, what? Yeah, it feels like cheating or something. It does. Yeah, for people that have worked their whole life. Yeah. You know? And I think that sometimes we forget that. Totally. That real jobs are are a lot, are almost the same difficulty, but you make a lot less money. Well, if it's the only job you've ever had, you don't even really know any different, right? Definitely. Just think that's what it is. And I promise you guys, this isn't normal. This is a very unique unicorn type of opportunity. And so definitely, that's why I'd say just, just be patient. Stay where you're at and really just take advantage of it over the next couple of years. The fourth one, and this is probably like one I think you guys could take away. This is my last piece of advice for mistakes I've made is spend your money on worthless stuff or stop spending your money on worthless stuff. Sorry. So let me give you an example. If you're listening to this, whether it's live or on a podcast, whatever, I want you to think back on what you've got for Christmas the last couple of years. Maybe you can remember last year. Now try and remember two years ago. Try and remember a gift that somebody gave you, your parents, your spouse, your girlfriend, whatever, boyfriend, husband. Now try and go three years ago, four years. Most people can't remember past the first years. I've done this activity with a lot of people over the years. And, it, and my, my point is this, is that things don't really matter. And so my, my rule of thumb is I see a lot of reps spend a lot of money on food. Like when I'm out visiting, they'll go drop 20 bucks like it's nothing. And they do that almost every night. That adds up a lot. That, that's killing you, I promise you. <laughs> so here's my question. If you're not going to remember that purchase, it could be on food, could be on clothes, could be on travel, could be anything. If you're not going to remember that in a couple years, don't do it. If it's just for an immediate high, like a monster energy drink, right? It gets expensive every day. For sure. If you're not going to remember that, it's not going to do anything for you in a, in a week from now, don't do it. If you're going to buy that jacket or that really nice necklace or bracelet or jewelry or clothes or whatever, and it's not going to actually do anything for you down the line and you're not going to remember it, don't do it. If you're buying an expensive car or thing or whatever, don't do it if it's not going to impact you. Like, for example, I didn't pay for this. I had my investors pay for it, but it had a really nice Audi S4, right? Mm -hmm. I remember that car. It was sick. I loved it. Didn't do anything for me though. It's not doing anything for me now. It's not going to do anything for me in five years, right? It doesn't do anything for me. And so that's how I look at things. Like when we're out with friends and we're buying food, whatever, I'm like, do I need that? Is it honestly going to impact my life next week? Probably not. Then I'm not right. going to do it, right? But that house, that house might bring me money for forever. That duplex, that fourplex, that, and maybe a car if is if it's going to recruit more, give you status, whatever, I get yeah. that. But I'm just saying that's something tangible you can take away from this podcast today is the next time you're going to do a purchase, ask yourself, is this going to impact me in a couple years from now? Could be like a, another good example in a good way. I just took our, my wife to Greece. We've been trying to go to Greece for a while. That 100% I can answer the question, yes, that is going to impact me. 
um, trips and seeing beautiful things and whatever doesn't really impact me. It's always the people. When I come home from the trips, the people impact me and they inspire me so much. Or there's so much I can gain in my personal life from the people, what I can learn from them. Travel, if it's done right, can be so so inspirational or so meaningful, so impactful. But there's also travel where you can go and be very lavish. And yeah. like a massage, you could go spend $350 on a massage. I'm like, is that going to impact me in two days from now? No. So I'm not going to waste some money. I'm good. Not I don't need it, the memory, right? Not yeah. going to get touched by that experience. No. Yeah, right? And I think that you're so good at that now. And it's taken years to get yeah, there, right? totally. I remember one story, Brandon was probably in his 20s. He, you always had the sickest iPhone. You had that real, the sickest drones when they would come out. Yeah. I lived vicariously through Brandon. I was a consumer. Just when he was in his bought 20s. everything, dude. And now I'm like, Brandon, we should do this. He's like, ah, I don't know. Right? Like maybe, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. Let's talk about it. Yeah. And it's logical. Like, will it give me a return that I'm going to remember truly or that's going to actually help me in the future? Yeah, that's going to help you. Yeah, right? totally. And yeah, I it's an evolution. You grow and you get better at it. So For sure. when I'm talking about this stuff, guys, I'm not saying I'm the best at this. A lot of this I'm learning and I'm, I'm trying to do better, but I can say here's what I'm trying to work towards and what's helping me in my life, and I'm happy to share it. And now you are. Now you're, I think you're freaking good at it, at least from my perspective. And we all have things to learn and to grow through. I think that just like Brandon said, all of these mistakes, quote unquote, I have made in a, maybe a smaller scale or a shorter scale or whatever it is. And it's true. You do it and then you get better. You don't think you're perfect, but you get better and you get better and you get better. And there's probably a lot of our guys that are listening to this podcast right now in their car. That's really expensive as they drive out to that fancy dinner. Yeah. And they're probably going to start thinking, wow, I've made some mistakes already. Don't do it. Don't, don't stop buying the nice fancy dinner. Stop buying all the worthless crap that you're not going to remember. Like that dinner, that nice dinner is not going to impact you tomorrow. It's not going to do anything for your life. So just... Go make a big thing of rice at your house for 10 cents. <laughs> Buy a thing of chicken for five or six bucks that you can use for the whole week or a couple days mm-hmm. and just be scrappy, dude. For sure. And I don't want to be too intense, but I'm trying to talk to you as like, if I could go back to my 22-year-old self, I'd be bold and I'd be like, what the heck are you doing? Don't do that anymore. Be scrappy. You don't need all that nice stuff. Yeah. And right? people will be surprised, right? I mean, I've been in high-level leadership in sales for a while at a yeah. sales company and I have never eaten at Ruth's Chris. I've never been to Fleming's. I've yeah. wanted to. It sounds awesome. It sounds yeah. great. But I've never been. Dude, it's crazy, right? Like, it's insane. On, and that's a great thing. Uh, story, when I was uh, flying home on Sunday, actually, sitting next to this guy. He's a pastor at a, at a church in Salt Lake. And we got talking. I was like, so how much do pastors make? You know, 75 grand. But earlier in the conversation, the stewardess on the plane's like, hey, I'm staying in Salt Lake tonight. Where should I go? Mm-hmm. And dude, this guy knew everything. Like I thought this guy's a multimillionaire. Best restaurant, He's best like, best. you got to go to Fleming's. Fleming's is way better than Ruth's Chris because of this. And you got to go to this place. It's only like $150 a plate. This other place is like $120 a plate. And all, he's, he's named all these restaurants, never gone to any of these, right? Gone to Ruth's Chris once for like a big anniversary thing. But uh, and then later on, I was, I was just curious, like, is this guy a multimillionaire? Like, and then when he told me he made 75 grand, I was like, dude, this guy has no business. And it's not, it's not like, obviously, everybody can live their own life, right? Yeah. But from a financial standpoint, if you want to break free, you don't want to be in the rat race, you want to get ahead, you can't be doing that type of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, especially, like, I go out to lunch, I'll eat out. I like spending time with the guys, taking people out, you know, trying to make people feel important and special. 
but you can do that for 20 bucks the yeah. same way you can do it for 50 bucks. Totally. Or 100 bucks. For sure. Or 150 bucks. Yeah. Or however much it keeps climbing. And guys always tell me, like, how have you not been to Roost Chris? How have you not been to Fleming's? Like, you're you're that guy. Yeah. You're the regional or the VP or the manager at the time or whatever it was. Yeah. How have you not been to these restaurants? Like, you're not living the same way that every other VP lives or every other regional lives. Yeah. And it's like, well, I have satisfaction taking you to JCW's totally. for 12 bucks. You know, it's like, and I can talk to you You can be there. scrappy with food. Like, yeah. this, I'm just being raw right now so guys can understand. Like, dude, when I go to Chipotle, I get the build your own. It's the kid's meal. <laughs> It, but it's enough food for me, right? I in my twenties, I probably needed more food, but now I don't need as much. It's four ninety five, right? But Crazy. I could get the burrito and get the extra guac and the extra cheese and all this, and like I'll go with people and their bills like sixteen, and then they get a drink sixteen, seventeen bucks, right? And mine's like five. 40 or something with tax. It's like crazy difference. Yeah. It's crazy difference. And it's just being more conscious about your spending and, and we'll go, we'll have other things on spending. And I have a philosophy on like the four things of money, which we can get to in another thing, but yeah, just be more conscious and then don't go too extreme either way. Right. You can get too extreme where I have friends that will never spend money on anything. And we can go like, dude, we're going out with our 10 friends from high school. We haven't seen each other in months. Like it's okay to spend 20 bucks. So dinner. It's fine. Yeah. Or sure. take your wife on a nice trip every once in a while, but just be smart and have good balance. Yeah, guys, we're definitely not saying that we never eat out. We're definitely not saying we never spend money. I mean, we went to Disneyland together a couple totally. of weeks ago, right? Like yeah. we do things to have fun. We, we want to spend money, but it's just, you have to have a balance, right? And one of the questions we've already gotten actually is how much of your money do you save? How much of your money do you spend? And how much of your money do you invest? Yeah. Which saving and investing is kind of the same thing in my eyes, but let's yeah. tackle that real fast. Okay. A good book on this that I think will help this, this topic had a huge impact on my life financially. And it was from a book, uh, Tony Robbins. Um, and it's called money master of the game. And he talks about a principle in there called pay yourself first. So every time you get a check, take 30%, I, I'll just make up a percentage, but 30% and put that in an investment account and then take 10% put it in, you know, whatever else, if savings, 5% here, whatever, whatever's left, that's what you make in your mind is whatever's left. So pay yourself first, meaning allocate all the money for all the stuff you need to do financially and then live off whatever's left over, right? I started doing that probably like seven, eight years ago and it completely changed us financially is, is living like that. I can't give you exact percentage because everybody's different. Like if you're making... 60 grand is a setter right now. You might need more of your money to live off of versus if you're making three to 400 grand, maybe as a pod leader, team leader, individual sales rep, then I would, I would try and live off like 10% of your income or 20% of your income. So it's harder, but I think what you should do, the concept is re if you listen to that book, or if you don't want to just take this advice, figure out all the things you want to do in your financial life. If it's invest in real estate, buy a house, buy a duplex, buy a fourplex, uh, multi-housing, invest in the stock market, whatever. The way to get there is every time you get paid, set that money aside instantly and then live off whatever's left. An example, the IRS is so smart. What do they do? They take money out of everybody's check because they realize if they don't, people will spend the money. That's how consumers are. That's how we are as human beings. You'll spend it if it's not taken out. So you have to do the same thing in your personal life. As soon as you make money, take it out so that you never see it. Otherwise, you're going to end up spending it. I love that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this. And on this podcast, 
Brandon and I both, we kind of said we're going to be vulnerable and straight up and share our real experience with money. Yeah. And for me, I obviously, I'm a single guy. I don't have a lot of expenses. I have a lot of rental properties that are paying for any expenses I might have in general. Yeah. And I obviously make more than 60K a year. And so I definitely invest a lot more than 10% or 20% or 30%. Yeah. I'm probably, to give you guys an idea, I probably invest 70% or 80% of my money and live on 20%, but I don't need a lot to live on. Sure. And so just like Brandon said, you're going to have a different, at different times of your life, you're going to have different situations. When I was making 60K a year or 40K a year, I had to live on 90% of my money and I could only save 10% if I even could save 10, right? Between, I, I know I pay tithes to my church, I pay taxes, I pay for my living expenses. Like back then, saving 10% was hard. Yeah. I remember that. And that's the power so. of this opportunity that you bring up. I want to tell you guys about a really close friend of mine that I love dearly. He makes 75 grand a year. He's my age, went to high school together, one of my high school buddies. And uh, he has to take all 75 of that just to support his wife and his two kids. Yeah. So he can't. So what he's been doing for the last, um, I think, six or seven years is he's had side hustles that he can make another 25 grand. And so I'm proud of him because he started this when he was 26 and it took him five years to save up for his first duplex to get the money down. And that's the power of this job is like you can make these quick chunks of cash to go buy something. In the real world, normal world, that'll take somebody years and years and years to buy one property. And they're gonna have to live so scrappy and they're gonna have to save every day for years and years, right? So he bought his first one when he, he was 31. He just bought his second five years later now that he's 36. And he's going to have an awesome retirement. That retirement will be when he's 65. Mm-hmm. But he'll get there, and I'm proud of him for doing this. But I'm, it's just a good example of, like, in the real world, that's how you got to do it, right? It's got to take a lot of time. You're in a different situation in a lot of our people where you have all this cash and you can get all these chunks of properties very, very quickly. So do it because you're in a position to do that where most people aren't. For sure. And it's still hard. And and a little tip of advice there, <clears throat> the reason I can live on 20% of my income, let's say, and I, I don't know exact percentages. It's always fluctuating in different times, different seasons. And obviously if guys are selling, not selling, if I'm selling, whatever it is. But I focus on only having a certain amount of money in my account. I don't let my account get big. I try and liquidate everything into different investments. Yeah. So I don't see a hundred grand sitting there or 200 grand or 300 grand or whatever it is. Because when you have what I found at least, and you can give your experience, but when you have 200 grand sitting in your account, it's a lot easier to spend money. Yeah. Then if I look, I'm like, dude, I only have 10 grand in there. For sure. I don't have a lot to play with today. I can't go drop four grand this weekend. I can't go to Vegas and gamble a thousand dollars and buy this and buy that and do this and do that. Cause I only have 10 grand total yeah. in my head. Yeah. So. I think that's a good mindset. Like I have a savings account that'll pay all of our bills for one year. And then our regular checking account, I know what my monthly bills are. Mm-hmm. And I keep just about double that in that account. That's it. Anything else is always investments, right? hundred percent. And, and that's, that's aggressive, but you should be while you're younger. Cause you want to acquire investments and get money working for you. And as long as you have a savings you're, you're probably okay. One thing I'll say here, because we're probably going to get into our recommendations, 
is I just want to be clear, like, I can't give you guys tax advice, legal advice, investment advice, financial advice. So this is not advice. Anything I'm talking about is for me or what I would do differently, or if I could hypothetically go back in time, right? And that's because I can't legally. So you can take that for what it's worth, and that's about as clear as I can be with you guys. And I can retweet everything Brandon said. (laughs) I am also in that same boat. We can't give you guys advice. We can't tell you what to do. We can just tell you what we're doing, Yeah. right? And take that for what it's worth, whatever you want to do there. So let's let's get into what we're doing, and then let's talk about real quick what we would do. Let's do it. So if I, could, if I was 24 right now and I couldn't qualify for a loan because I had to wait two years, here's what I would personally do. I would invest in a real estate fund. It's the best, highest returns that I can see in the market right now. And if I was 24, again, I'm not talking for you guys. I'm talking if I was 24 Um, We're going to have somebody on the podcast next week that has a real estate fund like this, that they're making 24% a year on their money. So let's just go through a scenario. If you invested a hundred grand in four years, you would make another hundred grand on that hundred grand. So you now have 200,000. I'm just not seeing that anywhere else in a safe way. Like, yes, some stock years last year with uh, COVID, a lot of places average 24%. On average, a really good aggressive fund like Spencer mm-hmm. is going to be 10 to 12%. So you're almost yeah. twice as high. So if you can find a good one that you you trust, whatever, that's what I would do if I was back in 24 and I couldn't qualify. The other thing I would do is I would get with partners that are working at the company or people that I know like and trust. And if they could qualify, then I'd be like, hey, I'll bring the money. You, you put some money in too, but you get the loan and let's figure out some type of split. It's very, very common in the real estate industry to have partners. And then the third thing I would do, so I'm just going through my list uh, to be open and transparent with everybody, is I would never touch the cash flow. Like if I had a duplex, if I had an investment, whatever, any money that's coming in is profit, I wouldn't take and spend. I would just put it right back into more investing or paying down the principal on that asset. Mm -hmm. Because what I would try and do is I'd say, look, I'm working at a company where I'm making good money for the next four to six years. I don't need any of that extra money. So I'm going to use that to acquiring more assets or pay down principles so that in five, 10 years, I can put myself in a position to retire. Yeah. Right. So that's why I wouldn't touch any of that. I would educate myself a ton on all this stuff like everybody's doing. If you're listening to this and those are kind of like the big four things I would do. Yeah. If I could qualify, I would be acquiring properties every single year. No question by myself Mm -hmm. if, if possible. And then, um, just the same thing. I wouldn't touch any of the investment or prince, uh, profits coming in. I'd use that to pay down principal and I'd keep educating myself. Yeah, I love it. And I'm on the same lines, right? What I would do is, first of all, if I was starting this job, I would go talk to five people that I see they're successful in our company, right? Yeah. And say, what's realistic that I could make year one, year two, year three, and year four? And have a four year plan and say, can I make 100 grand year one? Is that real? Could I make 200 grand? Oh, maybe it's 400 grand year two. Yeah. Maybe it's 600 grand year three. I don't know. Go find people that know you. Go talk to your manager, talk to your regional, talk to your team lead, whoever it is, and ask them, what did you make year one? What do you make year two? What could I do? And then find out roughly how much money you're going to make every year and kind of have a long-term plan of what you might want to do with that money. Because what a lot of people do, what I've seen, is they invest in things that lock their money up. Yeah. For a long time. For sure. And so you might, in, like we just invested in some restaurants. Yeah. Right. A couple of weeks ago. And we all threw in some money and we're not going to see that money for five years. Yeah. Pretty much. Right. 
So if I'm planning on using that money to buy a duplex next year, I'm going to be out of luck because that money is tied up. And so what I would do is I'd figure out how much I'm going to make, figure out what you want to do every year. And right when you start making money, start putting your action, like your plan into action. And what I would do is once I got my first check, every check I got, I would take half that and put it straight into like an iron gate type thing, like an investment fund with Spencer or Dave Gardner, whoever else, yeah. because that's very liquid. And so looking back, that's what I wish, wish I would have done more at the beginning Yeah, is I would have put my money into a liquid place that I could get out in a year or two because I'm very, very pro real estate, same way you are. And which again, this is not advice, this is just what we're doing. And so I would put my money in a place where I can get a 10% return minimum, hopefully, right? And then in a year I can pull that money back out and buy my first property. Mm. So you're, you're talking as if you couldn't qualify for something. Exactly, because yeah. I'm just thinking like a first year rep is never gonna qualify for a yeah. house, right? Unless they're coming from a prior life where they already had a job or yeah. something. Yeah, generally that's true. Or if yeah. your parents wanna co-sign for you or if you have wealthy family or whatever. But generally what I'm seeing is a first year rep can't qualify for a house. And so I would, to help yourself not spend your money and don't let it just sit there, I would put it into an investment account that's very liquid. Yeah. That I could pull out any time not my savings account, so I'll spend it if it's there, but in a liquid investing account that I can get back in a year and start getting the properties. And just like Brandon said, everything else he said is right on the money. And then I would say, okay, year two, I'm gonna take all that money out and put it into real estate. And then throughout the year, I'm gonna do that same thing again. Some accounts, what I would say is just be careful. Like these real estate accounts are awesome, these REITs and different things. Yeah. But sometimes you have penalties if you take your money out at a certain time. Sometimes you're locked in. So that's why I would have a five-year plan, four to five-year plan of what you think you want to do, just so you make sure if I put money in right now, when can I get it back? Sure. What's the penalties? Yeah. Stuff like that. And everything else, I agree with Brian. Buy properties every year, try and invest your money, get in these high return accounts, just be smart with things. Yeah. You look at guys like Anthony that we've had on the podcast or Tyler or Chase last week or two weeks ago Mm -hmm. that are all in their 30s or 40s now, and they've just slowly chipped away at it. Like I, I thought, I know Tyler has 20, 19 properties. I think Anthony had in the 30s or 40s. Chase had 36 doors. And they're all roughly the same age, but they've all just done one to three homes a year. For sure. And they just get there. And so that's what I mean by that is just slowly acquire properties. Now, if you're making, they, they haven't been on the fast track for income like a lot of these people are here at this company. So maybe you could do four to six properties, or maybe you could do five to 10 properties because your income is higher and you want to do that same thing, but in a four to six year period instead of a 20 year period. That's cool. That's part of the opportunity here. So, but you want to be chipping away at that probably, or I would want to be if I was back at 24. No. And that's exactly what I did when we first started here. And what a lot of our guys do Yeah, is they just find a few avenues to put their money and have a plan, have a long-term plan. Yeah. Worst thing you can do is just leave all your money sitting in your savings account. Yeah. It's better than spending it. I guess worst thing you could do is spend all your money. Yeah. Second worst thing you could do is just, just let it, it sit there. Yeah. And that's why I say find out what you want to do in a year, two, and three. Find out what you're going to need to have, even for taxes or whatever else, and then start making, start doing it now. Definitely. Right? Yeah. Have a long-term plan. So, Brandon, let's talk about some of the investments, if it's okay with you, that we've talked about so far. Yeah. What's your opinion on, you know, the, the typical question Stock market versus real estate, um, cryptocurrencies, franchises, taxes, tax strategy, all those things. We've had lots of stock guys on here, yeah. multiple real estate guys on here, some franchise people on here. Yeah. 
what's your opinion on all those? Yeah, so I have kind of two different phases of investing that I've been taught from different mentors over the last 10 to 12 years. And so the first one was like, as I was beginning with things, I tried to be 60% real estate, 40% stocks. And I think that's a good balance. I would be more 80% real estate, 20% stocks, but I've had to do more stocks for tax reasons. And that's okay, because after a couple of years, I can transfer that stock into real estate, which is what I've been doing the last couple of years, actually. But that all started, you know, years before that. Um, but I think once you're advanced and you're like pretty good with investing, at least for myself, I'm speaking for myself, then I've transitioned to like 50% real estate, 30% stocks, and 20% high risk. And so high risk, I'm in crypto. Um, 20% that high risk could be Airbnbs, I would consider for myself personally more of a high risk area. And maybe if there's uh, businesses, like I've invested in a couple different businesses, those are considered high risk for me. Stocks, that 30% is being managed by a professional person like a David Gardner or Spencer at Iron Gate. And then 50% real estate is could be multi-housing, could be um, single family, long-term rentals. It could be um, commercial property, could be anything like that. So that's kind of my personal strategy, just being open with everybody of what I've been trying to follow Okay, that's worked for me and what different mentors have taught me. So, and just to be clear, guys, when you're listening to this, when Brandon says his 50, 30, 20, that makes up 100%. Yeah. He's not saying he's investing every single penny he gets. He's saying out of the percentage he invests, yeah. that's how that percentage is broken up. Yeah. But we're, pr we're pretty scrappy. Um, like I live in a normal neighborhood, normal middle-class sure. neighborhood, and I'll probably always live there. I don't believe like a nicer home or car is going to make me any happier. And so if we can just keep living like a... It, the neighborhoods changed because of appreciation, but when we built the house, it was just a normal middle class for Lehigh. And so I don't want to downplay like what it's worth now or anything like that, but I'm just trying to say like, we try and live in a pretty vanilla style for sure. area and we we're, we're <laughs> investing pretty heavily. Almost um, everything yeah. at this point. Yeah. And that's, that's what I mean. So let's just say for an example, Brandon's saying if you made 200 grand a year and for you, you were going to say, Hey, 50% of what I make, I'm going to invest. Well, now you have a hundred grand to invest. Out of that hundred grand, he's going to put fifty thousand towards real estate, thirty thousand towards stocks, and twenty thousand towards high risk. Could right? be crypto, could be it's business, kind of what you're could saying. be yeah. That's what I've been following yeah. for myself. So out of the portion that he is investing, he's doing the 50, 30, 20 split in that order. It's yeah, kind of what you've been trying to do. Yeah, and obviously it's never going to be perfect. You might be forty nine percent. And 31% yeah. and 18, you know, yeah. whatever it is. But yeah, that's a good those. point because things happen. Like, for example, and I'll just, again, this is to be more open and just transparent what I'm trying to do in my real estate life just to provide some visibility because I think it helps. Like, when I've got into it and I've been, I, I just want to know, like, well, how many properties do you have and what kind of properties? And I'm seeing that a lot of people I know are so dominant in one field of real estate. Chase, only fourplexes or duplexes or triplex, all multi-housing, right? Mm -hmm. Tyler, all single family homes. Yeah. Anthony, all single family. And so for myself, I wanted to take a different approach. I call it the five for five. I wanted to have five residential properties, five commercial, five multi-housing, five businesses I'm investing in, and five Airbnbs. And I'm I'm like doing really well on, on that but it's diverse. It's not all in one niche and it's spread out. And that's just my personal philosophies. I want to be well-versed in the real estate instead of just really dominate 
in one field, right? So it's different. So the reason why I bring that up is to your point, it might not always happen like that. For example, I had my five with Tyler Bennett, single family homes, but then I've, I'm going to do a couple more edge like townhomes, condos. I just signed on three more for, so I'll have eight there and the goal is five, but like from a high level, I'm trying to be diverse and it will be diverse, but it might not fall under exactly the numbers that I want to get to. For sure. It might be. And sometimes you're going to get to eight and then sell three and have five, but use the profits for other things, right? Yeah. You're just going to kind of always switch it up and you never know to be, to be vulnerable again. Last week, you and I, we tried to buy a Park City property yeah. or two weeks ago now. Yeah. And it was a $1.9 million property. Yeah, Crazy big, expensive. Big chunk. Yeah. And it didn't end up working out, but you just never know. And that would have tipped the scales a lot for me. Yeah. And then I would have had to work on other areas to tip the scales back to normal. For know. me, I liked it because it would have fit in my Airbnbs and I, I need one more to be in that five, like right where I want to be. So that was part of the plan. For sure. But it didn't work. So I was like, okay. And these edge ones, it's like, it's not a big deal to do three more because it was $500 down. So totally. it's $1,500 commitment to do what uh, Dwayne was talking about a couple weeks ago, like sign, give it a year. If it has equity, turn around and flip it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, not everything has a huge upfront commitment. So just made sense. And so every once in a while, your scales will be tipped. I've noticed that sometimes I'm like, wow, I'm all of a sudden 80, 20 real estate to stocks. Wow, yeah. now all of a sudden I'm 50, 50. Now I'm here, but I'm always trying to level it out pretty much the same way you are. Yeah. I think my philosophy is try and be... I'm about 60, 20, 20, I think about 60% real estate, 20% stocks, 20% high risk. Okay. Right. Just cause I, I feel like time's on my side for real estate. Yeah. Just being younger, yeah, that's, you know, whatever I, else. I like that. And so yeah, that's awesome. But we're all on the same page kind of thing, doing that together. And so at this point now, Brandon, how many houses do you own? Like what's your portfolio looking like and how long is it taking you to get there? Yeah. So, um, Right now I have five single family homes with uh, renters in those. And I just said I'm working on three more. I have two commercial properties that I'm a part of right now. Um, I have invested in a bunch of businesses now. And then I have one Airbnb that's being rented and I have three more in the process. So that's just like kind of like real time, my portfolio, what I'm where I'm at right now. So you are getting close to the five for five. Yeah. Did you steal that from the jazz dude? Is that straight from Ryan Smith and Qualtrics? No, I... Five for five cancer, whatever that no, thing is. No, it's just, I don't know. It's just what I came up with. That's awesome. And I love it. That's a really good, that's a good metric and a good base mark, I think, to aim for. That's something I would love to do as well. And so, so far, what's been your most profitable investment when it comes to your time? That's a question we got from, from Kevin Hillman. It says, what has been your most profitable investment when it comes to your time? Education for sure. It's, it's not even close. Education's unlocked the doors to everything. And then second, I would say, I know that's probably not the answer he was looking for, but I got to be totally true to myself and genuine. Yeah. For sure. Reading has been the biggest asset to me and financially, no question. Second would be just taking people to lunch and having mentors and asking questions and learning from them. And then besides that, like if he's specifically wanting to know with real estate, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't look at that. I don't sit down and say, what are all these worth and all this? I don't, I'm not really focused on that. So I, I don't know yet. I think it'll be interesting to, to look at that in five to 10 years. Yeah. We'll do another, another podcast in a few yeah. years on this topic. And I'm the same way. I think for me, um, one of my biggest strengths has always been networking. And that's where I've definitely learned the most is taking guys out to lunch, 
guys from my neighborhood growing up, guys that I, we work with now, guys like Brandon, just my network and just trying to really pick their brain on, yeah. hey, what's worked for you? You're worth 10 million. I'm worth nothing, right? Yeah. Like having yeah. that mentality and just being humble about it and buying them lunch and just trying to learn from them. I mean, a month ago or so, I told you I took Jimmy Rex out to lunch yeah. and I bought him lunch. Yeah. So I'm trying to learn from him, right? Totally. And so there's definitely different people that can teach you so much and books and reading, obviously that's a huge, huge investment in your time. And so when you're trying to figure out what to do, there's so many different options to kind of wrap things up. We'll have a little more, any more questions, feel free to ask them. But I know a lot of guys say when it comes to picking a stock guy, when it comes to picking a real estate investment, when it comes to picking a franchise, a cryptocurrency to invest in, how do you make those choices? For me, it, there's a large piece of it that's the human element. I want to do business with people that I like and trust. That's everything to me. I mean, if they are outperforming everybody, but they're sketchy and I don't like them, even maybe I trust them, but I just don't like them. I don't know. I need to, I need to have the human element for me. That's just a big, big thing for me. So that's, that's a big part. Their performance, their credibility is another thing. Those are kind of the two big things I look for is do they have the track record? Are they credible in this space? Do they have the results? Do my due diligence call other people that they're not giving me that I just find on my own to see if the track record matches up with what they told me? And then do they have principles? Do I like them as human beings? Do they have a moral compass? Um, and that's, those are kind of my big two. Yeah. And I think that I would echo those same answers. I think there's so many times that you and I both, a lot of people are approaching us both for investments at the same time. Right. Yeah. And we always say, who do we know? Who do we know that knows this guy? Yeah. Like who can we talk to that knows this guy outside of us? Yeah. That he doesn't know we're going to reach out to. Um, or how do you know him? Like I brought this park city property to the table for us. Yeah. And Brandon goes, well, how do you know, Greg, the guy that brought it to the table? Is he a good guy? What do you know about him? And I'm saying this and this and this. This is what I know about him. And so most likely his investment will be good, right? Obviously, I think that's a great rule of thumb. And of course, look at the data. Look at the numbers. Make sure things aren't crazy. Just because you like the person doesn't mean you should invest in the person. Yeah, definitely. Because there's a lot of people that I know uh, that do insurance or that do whatever. That doesn't mean I'm going to use them. Uh, They got to have, there's got to be performance. There's got to be credibility there. And I have to like and trust them. So they can they can be guys I like and trust, but maybe they don't have the credibility, right? They got to have both. For and sure. I think it's the same in sales. Like as a sales leader, you can't just be a good dude that we like and trust. You got to go out and sell every month. Exactly. You got to go lead from the front. If you don't have that, people will eventually stop following you. You really do have to have both. I actually love that. When you think about sales, the best guys at our company are the ones that everybody loves and are personable and are there for you, yeah. but also perform. Yeah. Like you can't it's have no one without the other. Right? Yeah. It really isn't. And it's the same on the other side. Like you could be performing, but if you're kind of a douchey guy and nobody likes you, then you lose people there. And so, I mean, it, guys, it's not a, a wonder why our two values are good humans and ambition, right? Exactly. If you're a good person and you're ambitious and successful, I mean, that's what I look for in investing. That's what I look for to work with people. It's It's no different. Well, a few more questions we have. Someone sent me a personal message that says, if you had, this guy, I know he's going to make this much money, so it's funny. He said, if you made $300,000 this year and it was your first year in sales, your first year making real money, he made 12 bucks an hour last year. Yeah. What would you do with that 300000 I think there's so many different ways to make this money work for you. Sure. 
But I think what I would do if I was him, like we already talked about, is obviously you're probably not going to qualify for a house anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. But you have a lot of freaking cash. I would tell yourself right now what you're going to live on. I would set that aside. Yeah. And put that in one account. And say I only have fifty thousand to live on, and then I'm going to invest two fifty or whatever. Then I think for me, the first thing I would do is I'd reach out to partners for real estate, like Brandon talked about. I'd be calling my regional manager, my manager. I'd be calling friends, you know, parents that are successful, whoever it is that can co-sign and get you approved for a mortgage is what I would do first. If I can't find anybody and I can't figure out a way to get into real estate, then I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to call Spencer with Iron Gate and I'm going to put a significant amount with him right now to have that start growing because you can pull it out anytime. You can always use that. You've done that a couple of times. I've done that yeah. a couple of times. You can always pull that out. And then from there, I would wait until I can either find a partner or get real estate myself. And yeah. It's kind of what I would do. Okay. And so what's, what's your thoughts on that? So I'm not giving advice to this person. I'm just saying if I was 24 or whatever, what I would do if I had just made 300 grand just for myself only. You're single. You're not single, married. You don't have married. kids. I would probably say I don't need more than 30K to live off of as a single guy. Um, need to figure out what I need for taxes, contribution back to a you know cause. I think it's always good to give away part of your money, um, whether it's to your church or, or just foundations. Tony Robbins talks a lot about that. A lot of successful, wealthy people will give 10% away. So let's just call that maybe 80K, 60K. I don't know if that's going to be total between those three things, your living expenses, your taxes, and maybe some contribution. But that should leave at least 200K to invest. And there's so many. Me personally, I can only speak for myself here. I would probably, if I couldn't qualify, I'd probably do it in one of these real estate investment groups um, that are doing high, great returns. For sure. Um, but that's just for me, again, not advice for anybody, right? And I would, I would 100% choose those real estate investment groups over the stock market right now, as long as my money can be liquidable later. That's the one thing I don't fully know about REITs completely yet. Yeah. Is that I, I know Nate's that we're probably going to have on the podcast next week. I know Nate's, I think that the deal is with him is you can put your money into the REIT, but you can't get it all back for, you have to leave it for three years, I think. Yeah. Is what may, it, but maybe an option is like maybe somebody makes an investment into something that they can't touch for five years, but maybe the money for the next year, they use that to buy other properties. And I mean, the best, you should probably only be investing in, money that you don't need, right? That's, sure. that's what Warren Buffett says. Money you can afford to lose is the rule that I've tried to follow. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, that's all of our questions. I love this podcast. It's been so cool. Let me go through a couple of resources that yeah. I think might be help. So if you're trying to, if you're new to investing, haven't invested yet into anything, here's a couple of resources. The first one I'd say for, from a podcast standpoint is go follow the big, Bigger Pockets podcast. Sorry, Bigger Pockets podcast. It's all on real estate. This podcast is phenomenal. It's so freaking good. And the guys that run it are awesome. They have amazing guests. And by far, like talk to anybody in real estate, this is the most credible podcast in the space. Love that one. Was listening to it this morning, actually working out. And then here's a couple books. If you like to read or listen, if you're an audible guy, start here's, I'm gonna give you the first two I think you should read. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's changed so many people's lives financially. Um, it's an incredible book. Start there and think and grow rich. Those two are foundational in the world of money investing. Uh, just so big. 
And then uh, another one, Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey's an awesome guy. I think he's so smart, very conservative, just about principally sound with spending money and saving money. Richest Man in Babylon is a great one. That's been very impactful, one of the highest rated books in finance. Money Master of the Game from Tony Robbins, an incredible book. I mean, he goes around and interviews all the top guys from mutual funds to stocks to real estate to finance, whatever, and did a remarkable job with that. And then one of my last ones that's probably my favorite book on money is The Psychology of Money. It's just awesome. I, I agree with just about everything in there, and it's been a great book that I've, I've enjoyed. So those are some resources for people that they want to read or listen to stuff. I love it, and I would echo all those. I've read and heard a lot of those books, audiobooks. In fact, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad is Robert Kiyosaki, yeah. and he was just on the Beer Pockets podcast. Oh, cool. So I was just barely listening to them That's awesome. three weeks ago, and he got on there. It was a really cool podcast for me because I love Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It was my first book I've read about financial stuff, I would say. Yeah. And it was cool to hear his like outlook on the life now, on the market now. And so I totally agree with Brandon. Those are great ways to start your own financial freedom journey education-wise, yeah. right? So you can like, know what to do. We have two more questions and we'll wrap up unless you have anything else you want to throw out no. there. The first question is, they say, how was your transition as both of you stepped away from school and decided to be all in in the workspace, specifically with family and friends? This one probably won't be as big of a thing for you as it maybe is for me, but definitely want to hear Brandon's thoughts here. To give you guys a little backstory, Brandon, he, he was going to school while you were doing summer sales, right? Yeah. And then you finished at UVU, and then you left to do the software after that. Yeah, right? it, it took me eight years to finish a four-year degree, but I finished. <laughs> but he finished, <laughs> because all seven years you were doing sales. Yeah. And you were probably going through that battle of, hey, take a semester off. I'm making tons of money. Yeah, totally. But, so it, like, I, I graduated, I think, when I was 28 or something. Nice. Yeah, so I'm sure a lot of reps can relate to that or will. 100%. That, yeah. One thing I will say, though, about Brandon's story and obviously this is from a close friend of brands looking in, is I think it was different because solar you can do year-round. Totally. And you can make real money. Yeah. I, I not, no offense to pest control no. money, right? But like you can make substantial 100%. money that Way can change more. your life. I don't think you would have kept going to school yeah. all those years had you been in solar. The, the only reason I got my degree is because my wife wanted me to. That was For it. Sure. I felt like I was learning more outselling and working with business owners and like the ropes, right? The everyday life than I was at school, but I checked the box for my wife. 100%. And you definitely wouldn't have even gone during the year. And for me, I went to so much school before my mission, before sales was a thing, that when I got home, it was only literally 18 months. And I could just finish it online. That's what I did. Yeah. And so for me, it was a different sentence in two. But what I will say is I'm not anti-college. I went to college. I know Brandon's not anti-college. No, not at all. But what I will say is if I hadn't done so much school before my mission, then I definitely would not have done it after my mission. Yeah. Like that's what I will know. Like to answer that question but, is. But one more thing on school is I'm thinking about going back and yeah. getting another degree. And so that's why I am a big fan of education. Just here are my rules too, because a lot of reps ask me, they'll call and say, dude, should I drop out? Here's my things is I have two rules. Number one is if you're actually gonna go apply yourself and work really, really, really hard, to make a significant amount of money. And then more importantly, number two, if you're actually gonna use that money to invest to make you lifelong money. 
then it could be worth it to pause it. I'm not saying to stop school. I think hit it for four or five years and then go back and continue your degree, your passion, whatever field you're gonna go into. That's when this opportunity will be worth it, in my opinion, right? Where it's not worth it is the rest of the summer sales industry, door to door, whatever. They drop out of school and then they just stay in door to door. All of a sudden they're 30, mid 30s. They haven't progressed, they have no investments, whatever. So that's what I don't want. So I'm a big fan. I think you can learn so much from formal education, from finishing something that you started, all those things. I'm looking at going back to um, Harvard's executive course or something like that. I have some close friends that have done that. So I'm still gonna go back. I would love to go study psychology. So I love formal education. I just think if, if you have a window where you have an incredible opportunity, it might be worth pausing things for a period of time. 100%, and that's kind of what I was, I'm on the exact same pages. After I mission, I jumped straight into solar pretty much, right? And had I not started school so heavily, I wouldn't have kept going online. I would have focused on that and then gone to school later. Yeah, yeah. So I'm the same way, I'm a full, totally. I love education. Actually, right now, I'm in this little course for a professional sales certificate. Cool. Just because it's one of those things I can get really easily. It's on the side. I can, I'm can. i learning awesome. from I love a, that. a great guy that works at IBM. Like, it's been a cool experience. That's cool. And so I'm always trying to further my education. But to answer your question, I think that was from Dallin, too, is you've you got to treat it delicately. you got to tell your parents, look, I'm not dropping out of school to not do something great. Yeah. Right, like yeah, for no reason or because it's convenient or whatever. For sure, like, yeah. I, I feel like I've kind of turned into, and our podcast is going over now, but that's all right. We got plenty of time. I've kind of turned into this guy that I'm noticing a lot of 18 year olds are calling me lately, from my parents' home ward or from my parents' neighborhood or whatever it is, and they say, "Hey, my parents told me to call you because I heard you're successful, and I don't want to go to college." Right, and they're trying to get some way. They're trying to get my stamp of approval to say drop out. And my first question always to them is, well, what are you doing right now? Like, what did you do yesterday? If you played video games all day in your parents' basement, you should go to college. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, if you're not doing anything great right now, go to college because it's a good thing. But if you're doing something great, like making two to three to 400K in a year, you can do that for three or four years, invest. I have no problem telling you not to go to college. Yeah. Right? As a friend or as a mentor or whatever sure. you want to say. And so... But I would definitely say go talk to your parents and say, look, the reason I'm doing this is because the next four years are going to be pivotal for me. I can make a ton of money. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. When I'm done, I believe in education, I will go back. Or I will continue my education in some way, whatever that is. And that's how I kind of do that. We keep getting a ton of questions. Yeah, let's just go through them real quick. Next question is, what are your thoughts on digital real estate and social media? Yeah, I, I think social media is a huge, huge asset. Um, for me, I ha also have to look at time because I'm a lot more likely to give my, somebody money, but I'm less likely to give them my time because time I don't have a lot of, right? Yeah. Like it's fixed. You can always make more money. I, and I'm not trying to say, look at me, I have a lot of money. I'm just saying you can always make more money. There's no way to invent more time. And so social media i think you need to be strategic of why you're doing it and what the purpose is and what that's going to create for you but social media can be extremely profitable um so i think you just have to be intentional with your strategy there but you look at like the florida area the florida region most guys that are in that region have came from social media and recruiting yeah so it's an incredibly powerful tool that will pay a lot of dividends um, but they're doing that with a purpose 
instead of just like trying to get likes for no reason or whatever. <laughs> I think it's funny that Brandon said he's way more willing to give his money than his time. And I'm the same way. There's been multiple times that people have asked me, hey, can you come help me move? And in my head, I'm like, I'd rather pay Somebody, for a mover yeah. and help you than come do it. But obviously, no one wants to do it. You can't yeah. do that. Yes, yeah, so you have to balance You have to go stuff, do it, whatever right? it is. But I'm the same way. And so social media can be a time suck of all time sucks. For sure. Right? As far as I've seen. Yeah. And so I would say definitely have a plan before you open up your device and figure out what you're going to do with your time on that thing. Yeah. Um, when I was on my mission, we used iPads. And my mission president would always say, before you open your iPad, say out loud what you're going to do on your iPad. So smart. Just to try so and smart. not waste your time on that, yeah. right? If you guys haven't watched The Social Dilemma, go watch it on Netflix. It's yeah. so awesome. It talks about like all the people in these different social media companies, what it's designed to do. I can speak to this because I had a social media tech company. And what we, we hired a lot of smart people, paid them a lot of money to get more people spending time in the app. That was our whole goal. And so that's what it's for. That's how it's designed. So I've seen the good and bad. I've seen both sides with it. And so I, that's why I say be intentional with it. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Um, last question was, we've heard about Brands Portfolio. Jake, what are you doing in with your money, pretty much, is what the question's asking. Cool. I'm doing the same thing as Brandon is. I'm not doing anything special. I'm doing the basic textbook things that Brandon's talked to us about, that everyone else has talked to us about. Um, I have I have money with Spencer Iron Gate. I keep some money there. It's it's about fifteen to twenty percent again of my portfolio. I'd say the rest I'm I'm trying to really diversify and have just like Brandon Airbnbs, single families, duplexes, fourplexes, etc. And so right now I recently I bought a house in Florida with Tyler Bennett. Just trying to get on that train. I bought a house in Star Valley, Wyoming, a couple months ago. Trying, I think that's an upcoming market. Really great deal on a property there. Um, you have a house in Vineyard. Have a house in Vineyard. Have a house in Provo. So I'm just trying to go to different areas and not focus on just Provo and just Vineyard. Yeah. I'm trying to have one in Wyoming, some in Florida, some in Utah, some in Salt Lake County, some in Utah County. I'm, we're trying to get a Park City property actively. Yeah. Like that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm not super big in crypto. Not because I don't believe it, just because I don't understand it. Yeah. Honestly, is how I feel. I don't feel like I, I know enough to go heavy into it. I've got 20 grand or something in crypto max, right? Like nothing more. And that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm focusing on long-term plays, long-term investments, like I was just for all you guys. But I think that's all of our questions. It was an awesome podcast. Was there anything else you want to throw in there, Brandon? No, uh, I know we went a little bit over, but I think we covered a lot of ground. So hopefully that was impactful. Definitely. So everybody, if you have more questions, feel free to reach out to us anytime. When you're listening to these, talk to us. We want to help guys. We really do. We love to share our experiences and we want to hear yours. So as you guys buy your first property, your first duplex, as you guys invest in the stock market the first time, buy the crypto. Like, tell us about it. We want to know. We want to cheer you on. We really are your biggest cheerleaders when it comes to being financially free. So that's all for today's podcast. We'll talk to you guys next time.